And welcome to Detention, where justice may be blind, but even the blind make it to their destination. So, if you don't know what that means, it's okay. Eric just explained it to me, too. Well, you know, sometimes you just kind of have to be told. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> hey, Cody. <laughs> um, starting off with ums again. Love hey, it. Cody. Yes. Did you know that I'm banned from Olive Garden? No. Would you like to know why? Kind of. Okay. You're a sweet guy. I don't know why you'd be banned from anywhere. Well, you know, I finished my food. Okay. And the waiter comes over and asks, do you want a box for your leftovers? Okay. And I said immediately, uh, no. Stood up and I said, but I'll wrestle you for him. <laughs> I was like, what? Okay, that's good. Took you a bit. <laughs> I was like, what do you mean? Okay, I like that one. Yeah, I'm not going to box for my leftovers, but I'll wrestle you for them. You know, that's actually a really good dad joke because it does go right into our first football topic. In a way. Yes. In a way it does. So going into sports, Devontae Adams was charged... This past week, um, after he was leaving the field where the Raiders had lost to the Kansas City Chiefs on Monday Night Football and shoved a uh, certified or whatever photographer for the actual team. I don't think it was a specific to the league. I think it was more of just for Kansas City. Uh, according to Kansas City, Missouri Municipal Court Public Information Officer, Adams was charged with a misdemeanor assault cites that Adams did by intentional act uh, or overt act inflict bodily injury or cause an unlawful offense conducted to the worker uh, with the act of pushing him down to the ground using both hands and causing whiplash and headaches and a possible concussion. Did you hear that? I saw the video. I didn't think it was that big of a push. I mean, it was... More than what was necessary, but... Yeah. Uh, the worker did make private arrangements to get to the hospital, and then once he was there, decided to uh, file a, pre a police report. The information from the hospital says that the injuries are preliminary, though, and they do not think it's life-threatening. Obviously. Well, obviously, he was pushed to the ground. And if you watch the video, it's like you said, it's not that vicious. Right. He does use two hands to push him down, but if you watch the video, he kind of lands on his ass. Yeah. He's wearing a backpack with some equipment in it. I don't know where the whiplash comes in. Yeah. Or headaches or anything. So I think it's, I don't know. Obviously, he deserves some consequences. Right. For pushing somebody, right? Yeah, just Very because childish. you're mad. Yeah, yeah. just because you're mad. It's childish. Um, but to have someone file a police report <laughs> and say that this is a misdemeanor assault charge. Yeah. Um. My I think guess that's is out one there. Game suspension, probably. Maybe, or uh, probably some. Oh, again, definitely a again, fine. Again, fine. There's definitely a fine. Yeah, but like suspension. I mean, from right now, from how I have read this, is that the league is not sure how they're going to handle it. They're just going to wait to see how the actual courts handle it. That's fair. And then base their judgment off of theirs, which makes sense. But again, they, they've never done that in the first place. So why would it change now, right? Yeah. That's crazy. Well, we'll just move on into basketball unless you have anything else to say about it. I don't. I, I am not. so pumped. NBA season kicks off Tuesday, so hopefully they have it going on when we're bowling. Or, yeah, when we're bowling, yeah, so hopefully. I can watch it. Uh, but we have two games coming up 
on Tuesday. We have the Philadelphia 76ers facing off against the Boston Celtics. And then we have the Los Angeles Lakers versus, versus the Golden State Warriors. So my question to you is, who do you think is going to prevail? Um, I bet... I bet the 76ers beat the Celtics. And then the Lakers-Warriors is kind of a toss-up. Because if there's one person that tends to give Steph Curry fits for shooting, Pat Beverly, I mean, immediately, because he played for Houston, right, at Mm -hmm. one point? And when they played each other in the playoffs one year, he had Curry on lock. So it was, like, a little bit interesting. I don't know if he's – obviously, that was a few years ago. Who knows if his – Oh, he's still a pest. Still, is yeah, he still he's still a pest. A pest. Yeah. Okay. Um, but then also the team chemistry with him and then Russ on the court with AD and LeBron, I don't know how well that's going to work either. Yeah. I've already seen some clips in like preseason games of them already somewhat bickering and not being in the same huddle to get their heads in the right direction. So we'll see how well that plays. But I, I'll probably pick... Um, Warriors for that one. 76ers and Warriors. Okay. The both of these games actually were kind of hard for me to choose from because the 76ers are still kind of a mess, but they've had a half a season to kind of mesh together and then not only that but they had the off season it seems like James Harden is losing his diva complex hopefully. He took up he gave away money mm-hmm. to stay with the team which I think is a huge move. And then looking at the Celtics, I mean, obviously they're coming off of that finals run, but they're going to be missing their starting center again. So having that matchup against Embiid, that's going to be a tough task. So Embiid's going to already score a lot of points, but now even more. Mm -hmm. So who are you going to match up against him? And then you're looking at Jason Tatum. You're looking at Jalen Brown. Who's going to really stop them on that side? So it, it, this, I feel like, is going to be a lot closer of a game than just saying, oh, C- Celtics have this. But I still am going to go with the Celtics just because I think they have more depth and I think they have more power. Okay. With the Lakers and Warriors, I wanted it initially. When I saw this, I was like, oh, Warriors have this. But then I thought about it, looked at who the Lakers picked up in the offseason. I saw one of their preseason games, and they actually don't look bad. Um, AD is... Starting to look healthier, uh, bronze LeBron, but then Pat Bev again, he's a pest. They're gonna try starting Westbrook off the bench, which he's open to because of his chemistry with the head coach. Um, so the Lakers are younger now, they have more energy, uh, they have a brand new head coach that, from what I understand, they all respect. But then you look on the other side, you have the Warriors. I mean, the Warriors are the, who they are, right? They have Steve Kerr. They have all these great players. But with the drama going on between Draymond and Jordan Poole. I think that's a little bit less drama than Russ and Pat Beverly. They've apparently squashed that. Mm. Apparently. I don't. Yes, I think that's still going to be a hiccup, but. I don't know. Getting punched in the face by one of your own teammates is a little bit different than having beef with somebody prior to being a teammate. But they've had like little bouts during actual games where they're yelling and Again, trying, yeah. trying to get at each no, other. No, I agree yeah. with that. But Several times. You're now having to become teammates. You've already had that beef. You have to squash it for the betterment of your team. These two were teammates, and then it escalated like that. Yeah. 
it's it brings a different dynamic to the game. Um, but looking at it, I'm honestly tossed up, but I, I'm actually going to go with the Lakers, so I'm going to go complete opposite of you. Complete I'm going to go opposite. Celtics okay. and Lakers on this one. Okay. We'll have to see it uh, Tuesday who's actually right. Me? You think? I'm always right. Duh. Oh, always. You're right. Never wrong about anything. No. Me either, so this will be interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa sports. There was a huge yes. uh, NIL, NIL deal uh, with the Iowa Hawkeyes point guard, Caitlin Clark. Yes. I could not find how much money she was actually getting. Have Probably you six figures if I had to guess. I would think well into the six figures. It's Nike. Yes. Um, I just don't know how much. I couldn't actually find it. But Iowa point guard Caitlin Clark and five other student athletes receive an NIL deal with Nike. She joined. She is joined by Stanford guard Haley Jones, as well as Sierra Canyon guard Juju Watkins, as the three women athletes to receive the deal. The other two are uh, Camden guard DJ Wagner, and then Sierra uh, Canyon guard Bronny James, who is LeBron James's son. Weird, right? Not like that family doesn't already have the money anyway, right? But they get the the into the deal as well so i will say though with with Bronny, it part of it's his name for sure oh for sure but his game does speak for itself is he pretty good he is really good okay well i'm sure with his dad being uh, let's say a primary at least c- fundamentals coach i think it would be he'd probably have a good skill set yeah um as well as Caitlin Clark already has deals with Hy-Vee and H&R Block for this year so she's already making a shit ton of money I bet you she has a deal with H&R Block on the purpose of, like, we'll help manage your finances. That makes sense. I would imagine. Her parents are also, like, business people, so they've also kind of helped her along with this NIL deal kind of thing. So she's set, but holy shit, I wish I could find how much money she was getting because I'm sure it's enormous. Oh, yeah, it's way more than us. Um, Yeah, it's... It was news that had came up, I think, last Monday before we recorded. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have enough time to actually put it up on that last week's episode. But I figured this week would be a good one to talk about for good news. Yeah, I was about to say, that, that's the good part of Iowa that's Sports. That's a good news for Iowa Here's Sports. Here's the dumb part of the, Iowa Sports. The bad part, and again, we're going to keep harping on this <laughs> more than we should. Uh, Brian Ferentz uh, met with the media on Wednesday. Uh, specifically to talk about the Iowa offense, because I'm assuming a lot of the different reporters that cover Iowa football have not been getting clear word on the offense and how it's actually meshing or why it's not meshing, well, I should say. Well, if you say. look at the depth charts, there's just no good information. Not only, like, not good as in, like, this is great to hear, but, like, clear information as to what is actually going on. Yeah. So he met with the media, um, said that he would. He was actually outright asked, would you resign? Really? Yep. Nice. And he said that he would... Oh, I did see that. He yes. said he would not resign as being offensive coordinator. Um, he also says that he acknowledges that this job does have additional pressure due, due to his father being the head coach and then him being a former player. So he recognizes that I understand that for how my job performance is now... 
it's not the best. I'm just letting you know there is a lot of external pressure here. So didn't bear he with say me. that he wouldn't resign because he couldn't look his kids in the eye? Yeah, he did say that. He defeat. said he said yeah, I can't admit defeat or looking my kids in the eye knowing that I had I had quit. I I saw some article talking about it and it was a tweet response to it and it actually brought up a good point. Sorry to go off track here, but no, you're fine. It was. The person commented saying, this is exactly the problem, is that people can't look their kids in the eye and told, tell them that they made a mistake or right. that they're they're not doing a good job. Yeah. That is a problem, that you can't tell your kids that. And it's that's okay. A good, that's a good example to set. Yeah, to, it's okay to do that. Like, yeah, sometimes I fuck up or sometimes it's just not going to work out the way you think. Exactly. Right? So, Those things aren't bad to admit. Yeah. Brian does go on to say later in the press conference that there was no root cause of the offensive troubles, even though they, they had brought up to him, is it positional? Like, are the players out there not supposed to be doing what they're doing? Is it schematic? As in, does the Iowa scheme just no longer fit the mold of how Big Ten football is? Is it him and his play calling personally that's holding the team back offensively? Or is it your father? Like, which one of those is the root cause? He says that there is no root cause, but does cite that the basics are the basics and taking negative plays, whether they be from sacks or penalties, does put the offense in a worse position. I'm so tired of hearing that of, well, it's just, we need to get the basics. How do you not have the basics down as a college athlete in a big program? Yeah, I understand the basic. It's like, well, yeah, we got to execute on the basics right no shit you should be doing that every play yes there are times where you have like an errant snap or you accidentally aren't hanging on the ball as tightly and you fumble it those are basic mistakes not i can't block a guy or i can't get a push on a block Mm -hmm. that's just your the weight training's not there the the talent's not there so you're fucking up when you're trying to recruit people or you're not building them the prop the way that you should which we've known you're able to do so where's that problem is it the lack of dedication on the players i don't want to think it is or is it lack of motivation on the coaches that is not a basic problem i would say that it is positional he just doesn't want to outright say well we just don't have the guys up front which is not a, an issue previous offensive coordinators i've seen offensive coordinators in different programs say we just we just don't got the guys up front right now. Like it's just, it's either like we have we have the guys that we want, we just haven't developed them. Like you said, a coaching standpoint of where we want them to be, or it's just no, they're just not the players we want. The thing is, is like if you are a good program, you should be able to have that conversation with your guys up front and say, hey. You're not as strong as we need you to be. You're not making the correct blocks that we need you to be. I have your back, mm-hmm. and I will help you get there. But if you have that conversation with them, and then you call them out in front of the media and say, yeah, our guys aren't there, it's not like it's going to be a shock to them. It's not like it's like, oh, you're jabbing at the line. No, I've had this conversation with these guys. They know what my expectation is, and they know they're not meeting it, but we're working our way to get there. Exactly. That's perfectly fine to say. That is perfectly fine to say. But you're obviously not having that conversation with those players saying, this is the problem here. Yeah. Let's fix it. Um, so I'm going to play an audio clip now, a little segment from his interview where Chad Lysakow was asking him um, basically a change at quarterback. What's the downside of going with Alex? You still got Spencer on the team. What what would be the downside of giving him a shot? The downside of going to making a change of quarterback. What would be the upside? Making a change. 
Right, but I'm, just yeah, I'm, not, I'm not trying to be coy. What I'm saying is I, I think I addressed that, Scott, when you asked the question, what's the downside? I'm not interested in making a change for change's sake, right? So when I'm looking at it, I'm saying, what's the upside, right? I don't know. There, there's unknown there. I know what Spencer's done. I know what Spencer can do, right? And I know what he does every day. That's the evaluation piece that, that we were talking about. And that's what the decision is made on. So I, I do understand the question. I don't want you to think I'm being flippant, but... Does that answer it? So, uh, interesting that, like you were mentioning, he doesn't want to seem to really point to any specific group of men or players as to what's wrong with the offense, but uh, does he kind of call out somebody there at the end? Oh, dude, he straight up calls Alex Padilla out without actually saying his name. Virtually what you just said is I know what Spencer Peters can do because I see it every single day. Are you not watching any of your other quarterbacks? Are you, are you telling me that what Alex Padilla has been doing in practice is not enough to do it in the game? Because that's what you're saying. You're just trying to not say it. Or if that's not what you're trying to say, that's what is being implied here. This sure came off like that. Right. Right. So he says that there's no plans at this time, to make a change at quarterback, just for change's sake, he says, and like you mentioned, I know um, what Spencer has done. I know what Spencer can do. I know what he does every day. That's the evaluation piece that we use or that's, that we're talking about, and that's what we use to make our decision on, right? Alex Padilla hasn't lost a game as a starter. Uh, yeah, fair. He hasn't. It's, again, only been like three games. Three games. I get that. But, yeah. Um, I also saw someone else make, and this goes to your point about bad-mouthing Padilla, I saw on social media that someone made a comment towards the remark saying that, you know, whether you're trying to intentionally or not cause harm, which obviously he's not trying to intentionally cause harm, but he did exactly that to Padilla, where this last offseason, Iowa lost that quarterback commit, right? Where he had spent at least some time in the program, realized that he was not either going to play or thought that they're only focusing on one guy here, right? There is absolutely no shot for me to even get recognized with these coaches in order for me to play. They don't see my value, whatever. That was Deuce Hogan, right? Yeah, I'm leaving, right? So that happens. Padilla stays on because he's still assuming there's at least a decent chance at quarterback battle that he could get the starting job, but he doesn't. With this comment now, my question being to you is, do you think Padilla after the season transfers? Well, why would he? He's the next guy up. Spencer doesn't have another year. Spencer doesn't have another year, right. Um, who knows, again, if they even like Padilla enough to have him start. If there's, I don't know, Lavis, if he does better. Joey Lavis is a sophomore. And yeah. Well, yeah. Is he a sophomore this year? Uh, should be, I would think. Yeah. Okay. Either way, he's a sophomore right now, and then Padilla will be a senior. You know, Kirk's uh, go-to start my older guys, start yeah. the guys who've been in the program, start the guys who. And if if they're going to use the same logic, he's had game experience. He probably would be the starter this next season, but only because of that. Right. Is, is my thought process is that he's been in Iowa for three years. That's the only reason why he's starting. Uh. He could start probably at a different program. It's probably not going to be like a power five school like Iowa, 
because he'll be in his last year or second to last year of eligibility or whatever. Either that or you go find a program that really needs a quarterback like Rutgers or yeah. um, one of Indiana could probably use one. So um, I feel like this was just another just like jab. Again, not intentional, but really ripping into Padilla about how, you know, yeah, even when Petrus is clearly sucking literal ass on the field, where like last season when he was sucking this bad about midway through, they immediately pulled him and put Padilla in. No, no, no question, no question nope. about it. No, they didn't. They waited until he was injured. That's when Padilla came in is when oh. Petrus got injured. That's the only reason. Yeah. Well, he sure, I thought, proved and played well enough that he probably could have... I agree. ...at least had a better shot this year. And then but it was like the first game that Spencer was available. They still started Padilla against... I think it was against Minnesota. And when Padilla started to have troubles, they put Petrus back in. And Petrus did just enough to win the... It's... Yeah. Fucking stupid. I feel so bad for Alex Padilla. As we all... Um, Politics and news. Get with started a, on that. With a good um, yeah. With a good um, a good solid um there. <laughs> First story. Yes. Uh, Sean Hannity. That was a long uh. That was a long uh. Where I think, um, and obviously he is heartless, but this is a story that I've, I think why he proves himself to be a little bit more heartless than others. Where this past week, on his show, Sean Hannity uh, did a segment where he... That's sh- all his show's called? It's called Hannity. What an egomaniac. I know. He had a segment where he uh, showed a voicemail transcript of a message from Joe Biden to his son, Hunter Biden, that took place in 2018. The message was, it's dad. I called to tell you I love you. I love you more than the whole world, pal. You got to get some help. I don't know what to do. I know you don't know either. Pretty straightforward. Yeah. Something a loving parent would probably tell their kid that's going through some shit, right? Um, Again, uh. I'm laughing for another reason. Keep going. Gotcha. I don't understand what the whole point of trying to bring this up is, but the article that I read put some good light onto it, is that the only reason, the purpose of his segment, was to show that at this time, obviously President Biden was making comments about Trump's family and their their legal issues and stuff like that. Hannity was using this as an example to prove, oh, you're showing your son love, but during the same time frame, your son was lying on a handgun application. So you're just as guilty and hypocritical as the Trump family because you're giving your son love and telling them that everything's going to be okay when your son's breaking the law. What's up with that, Joey? That's kind of like the whole point of the segment. And even Hannity got a lot of backlash on this from the public saying, you do realize that his son has like severe addiction issues to the point of like it, it he is sick and he recognizes that, but he's just trying to be a loving, supportive father of like, I love you regardless, but please, you need to get some help. What's wrong with saying that? The reason I was starting to laugh was because like, Wacko Republicans don't believe that addiction's a problem or that mental health is a problem. Mm-hmm. So when liberal or 
moderate Republicans take it as a problem and an issue, they jump on it and they, they, they don't see it as a problem. They see it as like, Oh, you're trying to cover something up. It's like, no, I'm trying to take care of my son. Like I should that I'm, and this is the thing I think they don't understand it. I don't know if Sean Hannity has kids, but if he, if he does, I think he does, then he obviously doesn't understand this. Your kids are your first priority, no matter what job you do. Yeah. Your kids are your, there's a reason why when like there's, all right, if you've ever seen the West Wing, there's an episode or a couple episodes where the president's daughter gets taken in a hostage situation and he invokes the 25th Amendment to give up his power. There's a reason that was created is because people know if you do something to somebody's family, they're going to act out of normal. I don't Yeah. Yeah. So, yes, even though he's the president of the United States, his son does come first. And obviously this was before that. But he was just being a good parent. And going to Hannity's point of, well, you're knocking on Trump's family and you're doing this. Yes, there is some issue there that you shouldn't have probably been speaking to that when your son has all these problems. Yeah. But using it in this light to say, well, first of all, showing it in, in the first place is a problem because that was a private conversation that you shouldn't be sharing with anybody because that's a very sensitive topic. I can't remember what news but source leaked it we- first. Right, but. but you shouldn't be weaponizing it. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the news organization that got this and released it didn't, I don't think, I, again, I don't know who actually got it or leaked it. I'm sure they didn't have, like, the vicious intent of, like, this is going to be used as, a like, a negative towards the president, right? So it is maddening that he is using someone else's illness as a way of delegitimizing your opponent. It's super weird. I don't fucking get it. Uh, yes, Hunter Biden is not the best people or makes, or he's not the best of people, um, makes major mistakes quite frequently. I'm sure there are things that I'm not aware of also that he should be held accountable for. I'm not saying that he's perfect, obviously not, but to use the sympathy of a loving father reaching out to his son who he knows has an addiction and these struggle and struggles with it every day, um, just to gain political points is like deplorable. It's like fucking sickening. Right. Like, it's not like he was feeding the addiction or that he just completely cut him off, said, I, I'm not going to have anything to do with you. He was, or cover it up. Right. He was taking I mean, care of his kid. In this instance, again, it's just a voicemail. Yeah. Obviously, other effects that have happened of like either Biden personally getting involved with his son's issues, his legal issues, that's different. Obviously, some of those things probably shouldn't happen because you're using your power as a political figure to get your son out of some shit. And that's not okay. But just for this instance, he's just wishing his son, like, I wish I could help you. And I know you want help, I just, and you know you don't know how to get help. So I'm just letting you know I'm an advocate for you to try to get better, right? Insanity. Insanity Hannity. How about that? I was thinking that you beat me by like a second. Because I'm smarter. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next political topic. Uh, the Supreme Court rejects Trump's Mar-a-Lago requests. Did you read this article? Yeah. Okay. Nine um, to nothing. Huh? Unanimous. Unanimous. Yeah, nine to nothing. All justices 
We're like, nope, sorry, can't help you. <laughs> About fucking time. So the Supreme Court on Thursday rejected an emergency request for former President Donald Trump to intervene in the dispute over classified documents that were seized at his Mar-a-Lago estate in August. Trump had apparently asked justices to reverse a federal appeals court decision that allowed a special master to review about 100 documents marked classified, a move that could have opened the door for Trump's legal team to review the records and argue that they should be off limits to prosecutors in a criminal case. So the whole point being that if the justices agreed that this special master can come in with Trump's legal team, look at these documents that were seized and determine that the prosecution cannot see these documents because they're so high profile and classified, then they can't be used against him in a criminal court case. Well, the justices, like we mentioned, said, no, no special master is going to be looking at these. The prosecution has every right to see these documents as well. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes down. Um, Trump has argued that he may have the right as a former president to process or possess certain government documents, which we've talked about in previous stories, including documents potentially containing the country's most sensitive secrets, which blows my fucking mind that he thinks he can just have that stuff for his own private records. Uh, he claimed that he, that the appeals court ex exceeded its authority in ruling against him, uh, says that there are, no, or there were no dissenting arguments or notes either. Because if they all voted yes, or voted no, I guess in that case, then no one's going to have any dissenting notes on it. So, <laughs> man. And then this also happened on the same day, Thursday of this week, uh, where the January 6th committee subpoenas Trump. So that's going to be hopefully an interesting story too. Did you read that, Arco? Yeah. Article, if I could... Fucking speak. <laughs> yeah, the thing that I actually found the most interesting about that article is the fact that Trump was on his social media platform, Truth something, Social Truth or... S Truth Social. Whatever. Something yep. stupid. That he, uh, he was saying that the only reason that they subpoenaed him now and not when they first started digging into it is because it's a bust and they have nothing else to go off of. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, they have plenty to go off of if you've not been paying attention. They're just now wanting the world to hear from you and hold you accountable. They're just waiting. They were probably, this was their plan probably all along was to wait until the last little bit and then hold you accountable in front of the whole nation, which to me, knowing his personality, he would jump on the opportunity to get in front of a camera again and spread whatever kind of lies he wants and take control of the mic. The only thing that I ask that the judiciary committee or the select committee do is have a button to be able to shut the mic off. Oh, that's the only thing I ask. Uh, he would be under perjury laws, I think too. Yeah. Cause so, that means so much to him. True. But this was also, there's already somebody that we're going to be talking about who does, who goes against that. And we've talked about it. Yeah. This is also a unanimous vote where everyone on the January 6th committee uh, approved that Trump sh should be subpoenaed. Because that's a shocker. The panel's chair, Representative uh, Benny Thompson, who's from uh, Mississippi, said that the committee had to hold an obligation in order to hear Trump. So his quote is, 
This is a question about accountability to the American people. He must be accountable. He is required to answer for his actions. He's required to answer to those police officers who put their lives and bodies on the line to defend our democracy. He's required to answer to those millions of Americans whose votes he wanted to throw out as part of his scheme to remain in power. Uh, He also acknowledges that the move is a serious and extraordinary action to subpoena a former president. The resolution to subpoena Trump passed with the support of all the members, 9-0. to It was also introduced by the panel's former vice chair, Liz Cheney, the Republican from Wyoming who was losing her seat uh, at midterms, uh, who called Trump's Trump's riot. Um, He was a central player being involved with that. A source with the committee also says that the plans were made to issue the subpoena for the coming days, so they haven't actually done that yet. They just announced that they were going to. Um, It does pose some serious issues that the subpoena does expire at the end of this congressional term, which from when I looked up, it's January 3rd of 2023, so coming up kind of quick, and Trump obviously has time to challenge the subpoena in court, so I'm assuming the whole thought process of why didn't you do it sooner, at least for a lot of Democrats is like, well, now you gave time for Trump to litigate this to the point where the subpoena expires in the next congressional um, year. So that's not good. You, you just limited yourself to only a couple months of litigation for him that he can obviously do whatever he needs to to get to that point. They'll find some way to spin it. Like, oh, well, he he doesn't want to tell you the truth or he's he's hiding behind litigation because he knows he's at fault and so that's why he's dragging this along if he uh, i mean kind of using their own logic against him well if you have nothing to hide why don't you come out and say anything true i mean how many times have we heard that logic from them well, if you have nothing to hide why don't you just uh what's the word cooperate with law enforcement same kind of bullshit well you don't have to but they're going to use that same logic and throw yeah. it in his face at least that's what I would do. I would love to see him on the stand because the moment that he actually has to like be held accountable, I'm sure he's not going to be as f- fucking crazy. Oh, he will. And I'm sure he'll his... throw a fit. He'll be a little toddler. Well, and I'm throw sure a he'll. I'm sure he'll he'll throw a little bit of a fit, but I don't think he can be as just blatantly wrong about everything. Watch him. That would be extremely bold, and I think that only plays into their hands more if you were to do that. So I wouldn't recommend it. I'm sure his lawyers would also probably be like, hey, maybe you should... Because he listens to advice. True. I'm sure they would tell him the same thing. Like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be fucking crazy for like a week. (laughs) (laughs) And some of this could be fixed in a way that it won't... years off of his life with working that hard. Yeah, that might actually kill him. If you were to if he were to be honest for a week, right? Wow, never thought about that. I'm the smarter one. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the next person here, not very smart. No, continuously being an imbecile. Yeah. Uh, Alex Jones, in his second round of defamation lawsuits this past week, where he was uh, in Connecticut, a jury reached a verdict that he would now have to pay six hundred and or sorry nine hundred and sixty five million dollars in damages to the uh sandy hook families as well as fbi agents 
who were basically harmed by his show Infowars for him saying that they were also crisis actors and not actually part of the government. So that's a big number. Yeah, but he says they're not going to see a dime because he's he's broke. He 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 filed bankruptcy. It's like, dude, you're not broke. Did you see what he did? Uh, that may be another legal issue. I think I saw it, but go for it. He held a live fundraiser. So yes. here, here's another thing of the the court case is that he did not go to basically any of the All days in court. He only went because he was subpoenaed to testify. So that's yes. the only reason why he showed up for one day in court. But. He was at the courthouse. He was just outside live streaming. Live streaming, interviewing people, doing live fundraisers to help him pay off his court fees. Court fees, And that's what he says he's using that money for is that this isn't going to go to paying off any of these people. It's just going to my uh, law fees and all that, which you're claiming that you're bankrupt. You're hosting a live telethon or fundraiser in order to get money for your legal fees but you do realize that if you now start having to pay some of these actual judgments that have been placed on you with money that you say you don't have, but all of a sudden you are now getting from these fundraisers, that's an issue. That's a legal issue because now you're basically funneling money from a different purpose and frauding those individuals to pay off your actual settlement fees. So he better be careful on this because he's saying it on a fucking television screen I'm not using this to pay off that, these things. I'm using it to pay off my lawyers. Okay, well, if that money starts changing hands to something else, you're going to have another lawsuit on your hands. Just looking at the history of this, do you think Alex Jones is intelligent? Not in that way. Right. No. So he'll probably do it, face another court charge, mm-hmm. go on InfraWars again, and talk about how it's all... F- made up and they're just trying to attack him. It's like, how about you just stop being dumb? That's a, that's a first step. I mean, he, I think he just wanted to obviously double down of like, I'm not giving in. And then it just keeps getting worse and worse for him. So he has to keep creating these whole new right. lies just to keep himself what he thinks above water when it's just fucking drowning him faster. And if any of you don't know who Alex Jones is, there's long story short is he, for, since Sandy Hook happened, said it's a conspiracy theory that it didn't actually happen, that the parents are making it up, and that the federal government helped in making it up. But then, during his testimony, said, after meeting with the families, I believe it actually happened, to then, once again, when he's not in the court case, saying, no, it's actually all fake. There are... Oh, my God. (laughs) At least in the state of Connecticut, you know, he doesn't have to pay all of the money that was put against him in Texas because they have a limitation for that type of judgment. Apparently, Connecticut has a loophole on that where if you can be... If you can prove that this individual is not only defaming these people, but then also using that instance to defame these people to then use it as a platform to earn money for yourself, then there is no limitation for how much judgment you can place on people for this. That's kind of the worry is like, I think Connecticut has a $50,000 cap, which is super low, but because you can probably swing it and say that, oh, well, he's saying these things, but he's also pushing 
certain products on his platform that then would be obviously at odds with his statements of like, yeah, these families are just being bullshit and, you know, you probably shouldn't uh, trust these crisis actors. By the way, have you bought your bump stocks? Like trying to go into another sale. If he can, if they can prove that, then there's no cap and he has to literally pay almost a fucking billion dollars. There's there's two pieces, uh, there's two stats that I like from this article and then I'll be done with it. But um, when he says he's not bankrupt, I mean, he could have blown through this money for all I know. But someone on his team said there was one day where he made $810,000 in sales in a single day in 2020. Yeah. If you're that popular, you're not bankrupt. Yeah. Another thing that I found fascinating was the family's lawyers had suggested that a six-person state jury use $550 million as a baseline for calculating the, uh, the compensation damages uh, rough, which they said it was roughly $1 for every social media impression. Jones's Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube accounts jointly racked up during the six years following the, the shooting. Nice. Yeah. I can agree with that. Easily. You're at least reaching that many people from this, from this incident. Mm-hmm. 100%. Last little bit of news here. Local news. Very local. Very local. Our alma mater is getting a renovation in the next like, several years. But uh, the launch of what they're calling the Our Tomorrow campaign for you and I, which, yeah, weird name, focusing on renovations and updates to the Unidome specifically for the University of Northern Iowa. The football stadium, the, for those yeah. of you who have never heard of it. So... The Unidome has been an iconic UNI landmark since it was first built in the late 70s, uh, 1976 to be exact. The facility approaches its 50-year anniversary on 2026. UNI Athletics is launching a visionary campaign to keep the Unidome thriving for the next generation. Um, An estimated 500,000 visitors each year come through the doors of the Unidome, that they say. About 200,000 of those being from out of... Blackhawk County, estimating that the Unidome generates roughly $17 million annually an economic impact to the Cedar Valley. I don't believe that number. I don't believe that number either. It's just what's reported. So There's no I mean, fucking way. $17 million seems very That's outrageous. That's a lot of concessions. Mm-hmm. That the, I, they're saying to the hold? Cedar Valley. So I'm thinking like oh, hotels, okay. restaurants, but transportation. How many... How many seats or people does the unidome hold 16,000 maybe maybe maybe, yeah and on an average game it has maybe half of their seats sold yeah but they also host state football that's a good point that that brings in a bunch of high schools concerts so that number doesn't seem so out of pocket now i guess but i'm annoyed when i heard about this project personally Mm mm-hmm because I am a very firm believer that universities are for education and sports should be secondary. I have no problem with college sports. I love college sports, but it should not be your main focus. I've seen personally the budget of past years when I was in college of where our money goes to. Probably half of it goes to sports and probably 80 to 90% of that goes to the football program. And not only that, but they even borrow money from other colleges because they spend too much. Yeah. 
I have a problem with that. And then on top of that, every year, well, every game this year before uh, the team runs out, they show a video of this project and the lady who started it and donated $5 million right off the bat said, I could think of no better way to impact the students at UNI. I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? No other way. There's no other way you can impact these students. Not like building better uh, places for them to live, making their dining and um, living a little bit easier. Providing air conditioning to the dorms. Right. Or <laughs> making it so that they don't have to buy a thousand books for a super exorbitant amount of money. Try yeah. paying for everything online. There's there's many different ways that you can impact the students in a much better area than building a $250 million renovation to a football stadium. It's not $250. It's, well, never mind. it's $50 million. The $250 is a number that they are trying to um, generate by donors over like five years' time. That that's that's from, that's from my contact inside the university is what they're trying to do. Very outrageous number. And apparently they're like eighty percent of the way there. But one of my <sighs> friends posted something. He said he he showed that program the hour tomorrow. He's like, so what you're saying is you and I is broke. And I said yes. So they <laughs> have been broke for a while. But like we said, this is a three-phase, $50 million campaign that starts this fall, where phase one of the project has already begun with the construction and opening of the Van G. Miller Family Charitable Foundation meeting room. Uh, phase one also includes renovations and replacing the Unidome's fabric roof, reconstructing the west entrance and concourse, and providing new expanded suites. So that's a $20 million project. Phase two of the project will include bowl upgrades and structural improvements along the resurfacing of the inner indoor track. Along the bowl improvements include a new seating, wider aisles, handrails, and greater ADA seating. That's also expected to be $20 million. And then in the final phase, phase three, costs $10 million. It will include a new Unidome sound system, visually uh, as well as having different crystal clear audio qualities, uh, includes upgraded graphics inside and outside of the building to create the most game day experience possible for you and I athletics is what they say. So a lot of money over the next several years to kind of upgrade the Unidome. I'm happy about the sound system part. Cause if you're in there and it's, it sucks, it's so echoey and you're hearing the guy talk who's already yelling into the mic and then it's just rattling off the concrete inside. You're like, don't know what the fuck you just said. They also just spent a fuckload of money on a practice field that used to be used for intramural football, but is now not something you can use for intramural football because it's a practice field. Yep, I saw. Yeah, I was so irritated because then we had to use the rugby field. So that's not fair to the rugby team because we're fucking up their fields. But no, it's it's rugby, so it doesn't matter. Well, they're rugby players; they can get used to it. Well, yeah, but still. Surprise topics. Since you've talked a lot, I'll go ahead and take the reins on this one for right now. Okay. Interesting title. Yes. I, I titled it Deadly Restaurant. Shit. Let me get to it. There we go. <laughs> this is not funny. So what day was this? Wednesday of last week. Patrons at Jasper's Restaurant in Largo, Maryland were stunned when they found that they wouldn't able to use the women's bathroom and everyone had to use the men's bathroom. Can you just take a guess as to why? Why they couldn't use yeah. the women's restroom? Yeah. 
No. Oh, there's a dead person. There is a dead person. <laughs> Someone died from a heart attack. And so they called first responders right away. And there was a policeman guarding the door, but they stayed open. Hmm. Jasper's confirmed the incident in an online statement saying last night, one of our customers tragically passed away within our establishment Jesus. on behalf of our ownership management and staff. We send the sincerest and most heartfelt support and condolences to the deceased family. We will be reaching out to the family to see if there's anything we can do to support them in this time of grief. Here's an idea. Close. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Close your actual business. People on Twitter have gone crazy calling them money hungry and saying that this was really stupid. But there was a manager, Miguel Perea, who commented on it saying, at this moment, at the moment, we thought we were doing the right thing. This is something that takes a day or two to sink in. And then you realize maybe we were wrong. Maybe <laughs> we were wrong. Maybe. Only There's maybe. not a maybe in this situation. There's someone who died. Yep. You close. Mm-hmm. See, <laughs> I, have, I have a working situation that is like this, but not even close to like this. Did someone die? No. Okay. There was a fire. At one of the places that I worked at, I had shown up. Everyone was outside, and I thought somebody had, like, the cops called them or something. Mm -hmm. I asked, and they're like, oh, your department burnt down. I'm like, oh, funny. Well, no, that actually happened. No, seriously. It's like, oh. So this was at 10 o'clock in the morning when I got in there, right? We opened back up at 2. Four hours. Yes. To get rid of the smell of smoke. Every single person who was working that day, because the fire alarm system had gone off so water was everywhere mm -hmm. so everyone was squeegeeing trying to get the floors dried fans were everywhere we were taking some of our product to make sure that it could dry up we had to take everything that had like smoke damage throw all of the food away mm -hmm. and then i had to spend the rest of my shift not only cleaning up my burnt department but I had to keep unloading things and then we opened back up. So not only was, cause I worked in the receiving department, not only was I unloading trucks and getting people the stuff that they needed, I was cleaning up a, a charred and destroyed department. And I was like a two week manager. Mm -hmm. It's like, you fucking kidding me? Fun. Yeah. We, we opened back up. I was so mad. I was like, God forbid we close for a day. Yeah. I, I think I think our headquarters will understand if we close for a day. So if anyone catches on that, it's a franchise. Yeah. Because Cody said headquarters. <laughs> I was so pissed. That was literally the day I was the most mad I have ever been working anywhere. Yeah. I will never top that anger. I can believe it. I'd be pretty fucking pissed too. Right. No one died. So I'm grateful for that. <laughs> so I was mad that we didn't close and we reopened four hours later. Okay fine we at least closed for a bit they didn't close at all they just kept getting money yeah bad decision very bad <laughs> business decision my uh surprise topic is i entitled it a different kind of pumpkin spice do you uh, know what this might be about no but okay. i feel like it's gonna be really kinky <laughs> um not in the slightest all right good. so officers with the u.s customs and border protection CBP seized 44 pounds of liquid meth that were hiding inside of condoms packaged inside of pumpkins. It's <laughs> a spicy pumpkin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, on Tuesday, officers uh, with the CBP 
Office of Field Operations at Eagle Press Port of Entry encountered a two or 2012 Ford Escape arriving from Mexico and determined that it required an inspection. Upon inspection, officers discovered that there were 44 pounds of alleged liquid methamphetamine inside 136 condoms that were then packaged inside of four pumpkins. Uh, the vehicle and drugs were seized. The driver and passenger were obviously arrested, and it was uh, an estimated net worth of meth of $402,196. Yeah. Did, was the $6 from the pumpkins included, or...? I don't. Yeah, maybe they counted the price of the pumpkins. It's it is a weird price to be like it. The price of the meth is four hundred two thousand one hundred twenty six or ninety six. <laughs> okay. It's pretty weird math. I don't know how they calculate. Probably off of the weight. I don't know. So here's a good question now. Since it's liquid meth, it's not packaged or anything. They don't probably go on kilos, right? Do they just go off of like milliliters? <laughs> <laughs> What, I don't know. What unit of measurement are we doing? I have no shit. What type of metric are we using? But I thought that was very interesting. That is very odd. A very different kind of pumpkin yes, spice. Yes, that, that's definitely a more entertaining kind of pumpkin spice, I guess. Adds a bit of a kick. <laughs> a little bit. We'll move on to entertainment right now. So starting off with sad news, but we'll build it up. This one hurt me when I saw it. I did too. It was very sad. Robbie Coltrane, best known for his depiction of Hagrid in the Harry Potter series. He died at 72. Most of you hearing this probably already know about it, but we would be amiss to not mention it. So that one sucked for me. Um, I've, I've seen him in other things, and I've liked him in everything I've seen. Good good person, great actor. Like That, that one sucked. Uh, he was in two Bond movies. Did you know that? Yes. Mm-hmm. Not as major role characters, but no. being in them, uh, starting off... Yeah, it was very sad. I mean... Wands up. Yeah, wands up. There have been so many things on social media honoring um, his character as Hagrid and his portrayal of him that it's very heartwarming to see. In lighter news, Blink-182 announced a new album and tour. I know they released a single from their album on Friday. I haven't... I guess listen to it yet. I haven't either. I tagged you and my girlfriend because I saw it one morning before work and I sent it to her. And I'm like, man, we should go see Blink-182. And then she was like, yeah, you can invite Cody too. So I'm like, sweet. So then I tagged you in the Facebook post. Are you going to pay for it? Uh, I don't know. I haven't actually looked at the ticket prices. Four digits. Are they in four digits? Yeah. It's well. Blink-182. Well, with de- their original members, it, it depends. And yeah, Tom DeLonge, by the way, did return after chasing aliens. <laughs> did you know that? You did not know that Tom DeLonge is a famed alien conspiracy nut. No, you did not know that. I did not. So he'd spent some time away from the band where he was basically chasing aliens and saying that he worked for the U.S. government. Um, Working with aliens. See, I thought that was like the name of another band he was doing. Nope. Got it. Nope. His actual thing that he did, yep, was that. <laughs> okay. But he's back with the band now. So he's apparently done chasing them aliens. Well, if you want to pay for my ticket, I'll happily go. Uh, maybe. <laughs> okay. Doubtful. <laughs> but good news there. You going to stump me this week? Uh, No, I probably won't. All right, let's but do But that's it. fine. 
So first one for bad movie plot guesses. Washed up quarterback gets one more shot at success due to an unconventional coach and a ragtag group of athletes. Oh, this has to be the longest yard. Nope. Varsity Blues. Nope. The replacements. Yep, the replacements. Okay. Got There's it. so many ways that that could go. You're right. When you said a re- like a quarterback is a second chance, I'm like, all right. There's 20 movies right off the top of my head. Yeah, I can see that. All right. Your first one wasn't a bad guess, I guess. Thank you. Thinking about it. <laughs> uh, two high school idiots travel through time shredding their guitars and kidnap historical figures in order to pass a history final. Bill and Ted's a great adventure. What? Bill and Ted's great adventure or biggest. I don't know. I haven't seen the movie. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. I was close. Yeah. So this is Keanu Reeves. It might be Keanu Reeves. Reeves. (laughs) (laughs) It might be a Keanu Reeves week. (laughs) So then this last one, Southern lawyer moves to the big city for a huge payday only to have his boss be the devil. And he's the antichrist. Oh man. I, I actually know this movie. I've been meaning to watch it. Um, it's not as bad as you think it is, but it's okay for a 90s movie. It's not he, it's not Constantine. It's No. Oh my god, you'll say and I'll hate myself for it. I can't I can't think of it right now. Devil's Advocate. Thank you. Yeah. Jeez. I saw it on Netflix and I was like, "Ooh, I should watch that." And I just haven't gotten around to it's it. It's not bad. It's interesting. And then obviously the end twist and you're just like, "Wow." And Al Pacino is his boss. Al Pacino right. obviously do, being him. Is it's great. <laughs> well, I got one and a third. Yeah, one and a, <laughs> one and a third. <laughs> Social events coming up this weekend. We actually didn't have a lot to choose from, so I picked the three that were just this weekend. So we have Halloween in Anoka, Minnesota from October 22nd until the 29th. This town, just north of Minneapolis, calls itself the Halloween capital of the world. Festivities include house decorating contests and a grande day parade. I don't know what that means. Big day parade. Right, I guess. Yeah. So that seems interesting. That's bold to say they're the Halloween capital of the world, but I guess I'd have to go there to see. Isn't that a band name, Big Day Parade? Probably. No, Mayday Parade. Mayday Parade. That's That's what what I'm thinking of. of. Yeah. Second one, Moose Madness Festival in Grand Marais, Minnesota, October 21st through the 22nd. This Lake Superior town offers a medallion hunt. Okay. Scavenger hunt, sled dog, open house, games led by Murray the Moose, and activities at North House Folk School. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then last but not least, we got Family Fall Fest in Madeline Island, Wisconsin on October 22nd. On on the largest of the Apostle Islands, there will be a vintage car show, cider and soap making, pumpkin decorating, and pie eating contests, street vendors, and kids costume parade. That sounds fun. Yeah. I don't know with it being late in October how the weather would be for having your cars out. That's there might a, be a tent. Or hopefully it's inside. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It just sounds like for, you know, a lot of these people that put their cars in vintage car shows are like obsessed with their fucking cars. Exactly. Having it outside where there's dirt, potential rain, leaves. I'm sure a lot of them are probably contesting. Maybe we should have this in an enclosure. Yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, unpopular opinions. You or me. Um, you just talked a lot, some, not as okay, much as go me, for it. but I can go for it. Um, and we'll see how you actually feel about this. I think Taco Bell is better than McDonald's. Do you think I agree? Um, 
I think you disagree. You were wrong. I actually agree. You with agree this. with this one? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I and we can talk about it together. How about that? <laughs> I think here's the thing. I'm not even big on fast food at all. I don't eat it or seek it out really at any points except for certain periods. Uh, but Taco Bell being my preferred, I guess, fast food as of now of why and why I think is better than McDonald's. They have I I think in my mind at least having very low quality Mexican styled food is better than having dry burgers, dry chicken nuggets, uh, messy sandwiches that have too much sauce on them or anything like that. Granted, Taco Bell also gives you messy shit too. It just for whatever reason the flavor profile is better. I don't know. I will say my reasoning for this is when you look at McDonald's, like every time I eat it, I can taste the grease and the nastiness and I hate it. Yeah. With Taco Bell, you have better flavor profiles. You have better, you have different textures. Um, like cause you, you can go between meat, cheese, rice, tortilla, hard shell. Like there's, there's multiple different textures and flavor profiles compared to McDonald's. It's very plain in it. So, mm-hmm. Uh, that's why I agree, because there's just more variety. They have a grilled cheese steak burrito thing that is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> and it's limited time only where they had it in a certain um, pack that you can get other things with, and now it's no longer, so you have to buy it separately. But also, uh, me and my girlfriend were looking at this on Friday night of like what we wanted to order from fast food. We ended up getting McDonald's, and that's what made me think of this, is that I ate the McDonald's, and it was okay, but she was looking at Taco Bell as another option before we ordered McDonald's, and they had a certain box deal that you can get that was like eleven dollars. It had their nacho fries that are they have brought back, and then like three other things plus a drink for less than twelve bucks. Meanwhile, my meal from McDonald's alone costs like thirteen. So it's like just even the proportion that you get, though it's outrageous for Taco Bell that they'll give you so much shit for so little price, is why I think it's better too. Did you get the adult happy meal? No, I did not. I just got their double quarter pounder bacon thingy. Nice. It was okay. Their fries were good. <laughs> Mine, I guess, is an unpopular opinion. It's not choosing between something. Um but yeah, it's, I'm just I'm not responsible for your feelings. I'm not. But why? <laughs> so why aren't you responsible for my feelings? Right. I I do understand, and I've actually been in trouble for this a lot. I do understand that you have to be careful with what you say to people, and you have to be as nice as you can, and or try to understand how somebody will feel when you say something. And I'm, I'm not going to try to say anything malicious on purpose to hurt your feelings if you're a good person or even even if you're a bad person, I try to hold myself at a better standard than that. But at the end of the day, if you get offended by something and or you feel sad about something, I'm not responsible for how you react to something I said or did. <clears throat> That's just how you interpret something because something I can say to you compared to what I can say to my girlfriend or my brother I can say the same thing to every single one of you in the exact same way, and you guys might all react differently. And I am not responsible for that. And so if I say something that you find funny, cool, great, we get along fine. If I say something that you find offensive or you don't like, sorry, but react to that however you want to. I will not purposely hurt your feelings 
unless I'm really trying to be a dick, but I don't really do that very often. But again, I'm still not responsible for how you how you interpret something. And I might apologize if I made you feel a certain way that I didn't mean to. But if you keep dragging it on, you keep bringing it up, I'm not fucking sorry for it. Which you should do anyway. Right. If, if you say something and the person takes it like, hey, that was that was not cool or I took offense to that, apologize for it, obviously. Right. You don't and, have to be sorry for the thing you said, but you can feel sorry for that it made someone feel a certain way. Yeah, and... Be conscious as as well of when you're talking to certain people about certain things, obviously. Right. Um, I can agree to, to an extent of like also, yeah, I if I say something thinking it's going to be okay, not understanding maybe some different level of knowledge that that person may have had or different life experience that they can bring into that comment that I made and it obviously set, set them off and made them feel uncomfortable or sad or mad or whatever, but they don't tell me about how that made them feel. Yeah. I can be like, okay, well I, I said it, I wasn't corrected or confronted. So right. I'm just going to assume it's fine. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So same page for this week again. It's like we're best friends or something. It's like we're best friends. Uh, Do we rap- just become best friends? Yeah. You want to go do karate in the garage? Yeah. All right. <laughs> I hate that. This day. Oh, I love that movie. I know you hate Will Ferrell. I hate Will Ferrell. This day in history for October 16th, starting with the most recent, going back the furthest in time. 1968, Americans Timmy Smith, John Carlos, famously gave the Black Power salute on the 200-meter uh, medal podium during the Mexico City Olympics to protest racism and injustice amongst African-Americans in the United States at that time. Uh, Timmy Smith winning gold and then John Carlos winning bronze in that um, race. 1962, the Cuban Missile Crisis begins as JFK has shown photos confirming the presence of Soviet missiles in Cuba. 1946, Ten Nazi leaders are hanged as war criminals after Nuremberg war trials, including Wilhelm Keitel, uh, Joachim von Ribbentrop, and then Alfred Jold. Don't know if I'm pronouncing that last one correctly. You, you did well. For yeah. What you German's have. easier for me because I'm a kraut, so I can... Uh, <laughs> and I understand that's a slur for uh, German people, but... Sorry, it's not that bad. He's of a, not responsible for your feelings. Yeah, I'm not responsible for your fucking uh, feelings. What's yeah? But what's another term that they said in World War One for Germans? I don't know. I there's, wasn't there. There's a saying that we have now that's called um, "fuck." That they always. Well, you think about that, our famous birthdays. Yeah, well, Oh, also, wait, we still have another one. Yeah, another day in history. 1859, abolitionist, abolitionist John Brown leads 21 men on a raid of the federal arsenal at Harper's Ferry, Virginia. He would later be executed because of that. Uh, famous birthdays. We have John Mayer, the singer-songwriter, Flea, the bassist for Red Hot Chili Peppers. I was wondering if that's who that was. Mm-hmm. Naomi Osaka, the tennis player, uh, and then Tim Robbins, the actor. 
I would say best known in Shawshank Redemption. Easily best known for Shawshank Redemption. (laughs) All right. Well, I can't think of what that... Nice. Sorry. I can't think of what that uh, fucking thing was, phrase was for the Germans, but... Anyway, kudos. kudos to me for being stupid. <laughs> Thank you, everyone, for listening to this week's of the Detention Podcast. Uh, please spread the word and encourage others to listen. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at DetentionPod1 or send us an email at DetentionPodcast1 at gmail.com. You can listen to the Detention Podcast on Anchor, Spotify, or Apple Podcasts. And with that, your detention has been served. We will see you again next week.